don't let the journey for improvement be a tool to diminish your progress. Coming up on 35 years now, it's been wonderful. Even the struggles have been wonderful. And the idea of just, hey, I just want to keep learning here. If I'm not able to handle something right now, I won't handle it. But when the tools suddenly fall into place, the teacher arrives, whatever you want to describe it, all of a sudden that starts happening for me and to accept that that's when it happens. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. I'm a Giants fan ever since I was a little kid. My dad had season tickets. And uh, so, oh, wow, I, you're serious. You're a serious oh, Giants fan. Yeah, yeah. I've got season yeah. tickets and I go with my mm-hmm. my uh, family members. And um, I've been to a Oh, Super that's Bowl. right. Because you, that's when the Giants were playing here is when you contacted me. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yes. I knew yes. that about you. Sorry. Yeah, yep. no, no. It's great. So, uh, so uh, you know, I've gone to uh, road games. I've gone to the Super Bowl. So I'm in, really embedded. And, and I used to take all their losses personally. Like oh God, me... I would walk out of the stadium, steam coming off my head. I would come home yeah. and I'd be sullen and, you know, and, you know, and grumpy towards my wife. And it would be like a two day hangover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, at, you know, over time, you know, this kind of emotional sobriety stuff uh, has seeped in. And so I'm like, I, I take it as it is. And essentially, you know, this, you know, I, uh, I may be disappointed, you know, uh, yeah. I may, you know, I may be embarrassed by how badly my team uh, right, right. played, but it's not me. They didn't do this mm-hmm. to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and the emotional hangover that it results uh, doesn't last as long. Well, I, see you in- I, I, I'm with you. I've done, I've done the same thing with football. My whole lot, I get real up in an NFL family and, I, and whoever I was rooting for, I would be, it could ruin a day. And that's just ridiculous. <laughs> and I've and so I I have a hierarchy of, of football resentments, meaning mm-hmm. like teams I I can't stand, teams I oh, will yeah, never yeah. root for. Te- you know, yeah. so like so you said like who am I going to root for next? Well, I have to l- eliminate Philly and Dallas and San Francisco, and like I start to get go down the list. Like okay, who do I who can I root for? Who's left? Ah uh, ah uh, oh oh I, yeah, I have I have teams I root against too. It's yeah. like yeah yeah, it's like you it it is it is just an NFL football thing. It's it's like and it, and if somebody were to say we have to be so emotionally sober that we can't do that, then we that we why watch football? It's right. like you know. We have, and they changed over the years, but, 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 uh, uh, yeah, cause I, I, I'm from Texas, but I root against the Cowboys constantly. It's like, they're just, you know, they're just so over, they're just so overblown, you know, they're not America's team. They're, 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 they're Texas, they're Dallas, Texas's team. So. Well, I knew I liked you, Tom, and now I even love you more. <laughs> but the chief, the Chiefs are my backup team. They, they, I have a friend who lives in Kansas City. I love uh, Patrick Mahomes. Now, this is a Texas thing. Patrick Mahomes uh, was quarterback at Texas Tech, which is like about about forty miles from where I grew up. It's it's like uh, he grew up in Tyler, Texas. It's like you know, I I love watching watching that team play, and uh, and so I'm 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 excited about them. Yeah, he's a special talent, and and that, again, that's a little bit more of this kind of maturity is like I can appreciate that their abilities, mm-hmm. even though they're not on my team. Like the the jealousy right. Oh, right. You know, doesn't you know overwhelm me, so I'm you know wishing them harm. Oh, it, that's it. Really, that is a good point about about just applying the 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 kind of an entertaining but actually educational way of of approaching uh, emotional sobriety because it's like because because you know as as bad as you or I might have might have been at one time. I mean, I we've both known people who were much worse. 
and oh, yeah. they really are attached and, and you couldn't convince them that it's not personal the, the types the types that get banned from stadiums right yes <laughs> yeah bad, bad apples Mm-hmm. And the whole and, and you know the whole superstition thing you know kicks in as well. It's like, well, I sat in this seat last time and I wore this hat and all that. You oh know? yeah. It's oh like, man, if, if people don't know they're superstitious, it's way too yeah, sports. It's like like the my a friend of mine. Uh, uh, I lost him a few years ago, but he used to uh, or Patrick. You know, I always talk about him. He's been, my friend Bendel. He's like. He, uh, we used to talk about we called it the jinxosphere. It's like you know, you know somebody, somebody, you know somebody would be sitting there with us and say something like, "Well, we're we're right on the five yard line. We're bound to score." We go, "Fuck! You just stepped into the jinxosphere." <laughs> I love that term. Well, just to give yeah. you guys the heads up, we're uh, we're we are keeping that part in because it's awesome. You guys are talking about okay. emotional sobriety and sports, oh, but uh, let's introduce Tom. Uh, we have Tom Potash here on the show. Um, who's uh, an institution uh, at this point in our Thursday meeting and uh, runs some workshops uh, about emotional sobriety. So he's an uh, institution. Wow. Institution. Yeah. Just like Alan and Tom and uh, <laughs> other Tom anyway, Tom with an H. So um, <laughs> yeah, Tom uh, Potash, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've come to these spaces? Sure. Th- you know, thanks for having me on. Really uh, excited about this. And you, you know, the, you're you stumbled initially with and mispronounced my name, and which is which brings up a whole other. Oh thing. no! <laughs> no, no. Well, well, what's funny is um, I, I th- this became a part of our our group, uh, the Thursday night group, where uh, Alan was pronouncing me Tom Potash, which is not the pronunciation; it's Potash. No. Yeah. And. And what's funny is like I, for a long time, I just I would let it slide because, you know, um, you know, I, I don't care. But since it was like we're meeting every week and it was becoming. Okay, part okay, of the okay, team. I, I like that. By the way, emotional sobriety, everybody alerted for so, so, emotional sobriety. Don't care about shit that's not that you don't need to care about. It, it, I love that line from 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 Potash there. He, he goes, he goes, I, you know, I, I really didn't pay attention. didn't really care about it because, well, I don't care. It's like I, I love that. It's like that's healthy apathy. <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't mean like, to interrupt, but it's just a good example. Yeah. Yep. So uh so you know, I'm like, well, might as well correct him if I'm gonna be sticking around for a while. Mm-hmm. So uh and that and uh so my story is um, you know, in a you know, in a way uh, I'm I am a bit cliched, you know, a bit a bit average, you know, uh, but it's my story, so I feel special because of my lack of good parenting and direction and stability. Because of the chaos that I experienced, mm-hmm. um, I, I had these holes, you know, and mm-hmm. I was looking to fill them with whatever I could, you know. And it was a lot of stuff before I picked up my my first drink. Uh, it was, you know, there was some food. There was, a, I love books, books, fantasy, take me out of where I am, mm-hmm. TV, you know, video games. I was an Atari kid. So I had that sore thumb, <laughs> spent a lot of money in arcades as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything to kind of escape, right? Very natural, you know, natural for us. But uh, the, um, you know, uh, the experience of needing to fill these holes, it, um, led me to alcohol and drugs, which in a way saved my life because I was really depressed as a kid, you know, didn't know why, you know, why I was put on this earth to suffer. That was this all there is, you know, was a common thought. Um, and so, you know, I started young. I started at age 10. I had my first drink and my first joint. 
uh, I had older brothers, so that made it easy to kind of access, access, yeah, yeah. access, fall into the culture mm -hmm. of the, mm -hmm. the guys hanging out in the park. You know, they looked cool. I wanted to be cool. I didn't feel mm -hmm. cool. So I just followed their lead. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I kept down that road and things escalated pretty quickly. You know, I come from a, a family of, you know, alcoholics, addicts and, and people with emotional disturbances. So, you know, it just kind of piled on. And along the way, I, you know, I, those, those holes were still there. Right. And it's just, you know, and I did a lot of clinging, uh, a lot of um, replacement you know, relationships, meaning like, who's going to be my mommy, my daddy, my brother, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. since they're not around. And I was looking, craving those types of relationships mm -hmm. and connections. Um, I wound up. Well, it's like you said, you said it beautifully a minute ago. You were trying to fill the holes. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I always talk about pe people. You don't, don't just look at the places that are blatantly uh, you're, you've been abused. Look for those sins of omission, you know, those place, those blank spaces. It's like, it's, you know, it's like, it's like, kind of like you said, it's not as dramatic maybe, but it, it, every, every bit as impactful on our, on our souls. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and, you know, thankfully, you know, I had a very quick, um, a quick acceleration and, uh, and uh, I wound up doing harder drugs and wound up uh, getting arrested at age 18. You know, I, I like I like that. I like I, I love your your story, the way you do your story, because it's like, thank thankful, thankfully, I was really good at addiction and I, and I got really bad, really fast. It's like it's like and of course, you know, if somebody would have said that to you at the time or, or anytime near or early recovery. You know, it's like nobody knows that what that means. But from here, it's like, no shit, man, get, get in there. and get, If you're going to do it, get the job done so you can get started with the good stuff. Exactly. I wound up at the same place, like wondering, is this all there is? Am I going to be, you know, Groundhog Day living this, you know, day over and over again the rest of my life? And that that despair um, and hopelessness was really my bottom, right? I didn't I was 18. I didn't have a, a wife and kids and, you know, those types of things. No one was taking a, away a house. I didn't, you know, because I, I didn't have one, you know. So mm -hmm. um, it was really that emotional piece that uh, drove me to my bottom. And I wound up in NA in, in uh, rehab, twelve step fellowship reha type rehab, and in, in twelve step um, program, and um, which was great because it gave me that connection I had been looking for. Right, that you know, it's oh community, like this is what I've been wanting. You know, some type of um, place of belonging, and uh, that that helped uh, a, a little bit for a little while. Well, let me let me just let me just pause this in because yeah. because as I'm, I'm learning more about you as, as as we go through this, and it's like when you st when you talked about your you know you before drugs in terms of I can't remember exa your exact words, but, but it was you know what's it all about you know kind of thing, and what is it is this worth it? I mean, and what I know what I know, but this is not surprising to me from knowing you now, but. You've been a philosopher from the beginning. You were born a philosopher. I mean, no, seriously, everybody is not necessarily, but you, but, but you, you, you really speak from a philosopher's point of view for both before the drugs. And then when you get clean, it's, it's, you're, you find, guess what? You're right back at that place. It's like, okay, now, okay, still, I have no answers to what's, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. And, and I, you know, and I know you're, I know you're a student of philosophy like I am. And and it's, it's, uh, I mean, but it was like, that's not an accident. You were, you were born that way, man. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard it termed a seeker, right? So I'm, you know, yeah. I, I, I identify with that. I took the, uh, 
advice of, uh, you know, many fellowships of take what you need and leave the rest. Um, mm -hmm. And that really was harmful to me because I didn't know what I needed. You know, like it was, I, I made the... <laughs> I, your, I, your, suit, your suitcases were just bulging. <laughs> I, I I didn't realize what I needed, uh, and so I was taking the wrong stuff. So I did. I approached the twelve steps theoretically. It's like they, they're great in theory, but I'm not gonna mm -hmm. I'm not gonna mm -hmm. practice them. And I wound up like five years in the program. Had done like steps one, two, three, and you know, and not really done anything else formally. I I was in therapy because I needed that desperately. Um, but like everything was just, you know, oozing out of my pores. <laughs> All yeah. those traps that I had laid in terms of emotional deficits and that I was looking for yeah. people to fill, they were like, you know, booby traps for people to fall into. And um, it wasn't pretty. All right. Um, so five years. In, oh, I man, that's a great way to say it, too. We're, we 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 not only f discover our booby traps, but we are booby traps. Oh, yeah. When when we're when we're that way. Wow. That's great. Wow. Well, I, I I I described it as a those Burmese tiger traps where like you, you you cover it up with a thin layer so that. Yeah. People like nah, nah, nah. there you there I am minding my own business and whoop all the way in. Just fall yep. right in. Yeah. Amazing. Well, let's oh, wow. welcome Alan um to the program. Word on the street is he's a good husband. And when yes. he got home from the grocery, uh his 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 wife was not able to to do, do be there to unload the groceries. So he unloaded the groceries before he came to the podcast. It's like that that those 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 are points for just being 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 a good person, good husband. So I you know, not not as flashy as being a skydiver, but no, right on. Yours, your explanation's better. So did I lose any points when I ran in the bedroom and say, what the fuck are you doing in bed? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, 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 you yep. did. Is <laughs> but you gain points for admitting it. See how this works? <laughs> no, I, I walk in and, 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 and you know, I send I called her before I was going home because I knew I was running tight. And I said, listen, can you come out and, and unload the groceries? I got to run up. I'll be late for the podcast if, I, if you can't if I'm if I try to unload. So I don't hear from her. So I walk in the door and there's the kids. They got popcorn, cookies out. I mean, they're having a wonderful time in the living room. Where's mom? She's asleep. I go, what do you mean she's asleep? She goes, she's not feeling well. She's asleep. So I go back and she was gone, man. So we've been passing this bug around like the last uh -huh. couple of weeks, man. Cece. Uh, threw up at school had to bring her home i've i think i had a touch of it maddie's had it twice so we're just we're it's a family my favorite part my favorite part is how fat how fast maddie and cc know what to do when yeah. mom is unconscious it's if mom's unconscious go get the shit out man let's go popcorn <laughs> oh and listen so you know i got one of these little labelers we're trying to get organized with a few things and i come in there's two little labels thing and it says shit on the labels because I did those. <laughs> S -H -I she goes, I was going to um, do the F word, but I just decided to do shit. I go, thanks. Man. Oh, there you go. There you go. As, as well, let, as, let me let me catch say, up. As long as no one gets labeled with that label. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, that's oh, right. Very yeah, right. good. Hey, Tom, have you recovered? Yeah. I, I was going to have to come over and do an intervention last night. How are you doing? 
I'm fine. I'm fine. We, you you missed that. Tom and I had a whole uh, uh, intro discussion about. Oh yeah, we oh we talking about the yeah. It's very sad, uh, but but you know what he did. What he did, and, and, and this is kind of a weird thing on the podcast because I'm I'm recapping the podcast for the people who are listening to the podcast. But I'm just in case I'm recapping it for you. Is 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 Tom Tom immediately launched into emotional sobriety and being a sports fan? It's perfect. It was like he he right. he, he talked about something that's very familiar to me. Take, taking things way too personally, you know, and and not being able to to, to experience, experience the heartbreak of being a Giants fan, or in my case, a Titans fan, and 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 just and move on and uh, keep going. So, and we all we also covered resentment inside sports uh, sports right. being a sports fan. Lots of lots of you want you want to listen to this podcast, uh, Alan. Okay. It, it's a good I, one. I called Tom at halftime yesterday. <laughs> Yeah. I was worried about him. I thought yeah, he, he, at that point, he time, said, he's going downhill fast. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah that was, that was, it was, it was, it was sad. He put him, he put he, he and his wife on speakerphone and mm -hmm. she reassured me that he was using the tools. He hadn't thrown mm -hmm. any furniture around the house. Mm -hmm. Wasn't cussing, wasn't swearing, mm -hmm. was not in risk of relapsing. I said, okay, well, then he's all right. Then he's okay. That's good. I think emotional sobriety is really more as much as much or more philosophy than it is psychology. And and that and I think Tom's a great, I think Tom, you're a great example of that because I mean, I think as as you uh, hopefully being a seeker has been one of the things that, that you've been, you, you, like the rest of us, you've been finding much of what you're looking for in the program with emotional sobriety. When I got into trouble around five years in the program, I, I went to Karen foundation. They had a five day in person. Mm -hmm. um, they called it a codependency treatment at the time. I think it's family treatment now, but yeah. it was great. It introduced me to all the kind of the deeper stuff that I needed to look at and got me introduced to things like ACOA and CODA. And, um, but I started really, I guess, um, understanding emotional sobriety and started to seek out um, emotional sobriety content went around um, uh, about 20 years ago, I guess it was. Uh, I heard a recording of Alan that another, a friend of ours brought into our accountability group, right? So this, this was a group of guys with 10 plus years in the program. And we got together every week and he said, listen to this, right? And it was Alan's uh, talk. Um, he had just celebrated 30 years. It, uh, I remember that at the beginning of the program. That was a long time ago. Yes, right? 20 something <laughs> years ago. And uh, and he was talking about emotional sobriety. And, um, and I'm like, ooh, like this is like starting to light up my brain here. Yeah. And, uh, and that started uh, kind of a deeper... Um, deeper dive. And I, you know, I was going to AA at the time, introduced Bill Wilson's letter through, you know, through Alan's piece, and then going further with, you know, ideas of the human condition was a big book for me, you know, uh, um, to, to discover more Eckhart Tolle, A Course in Miracle, non-duality, uh, just a whole slew of things. I found Alan's recordings on Monty's, um, radio show and so it was like virginia satir and it just like every week you'd have someone new uh that you'd bring into that uh conversation in terms of you know your you know what you've brought into emotional sobriety alan and i'm like oh wow this is great like it, the one thing that i love about it is you know there's so many breadcrumbs that lead to and you know and back from 
emotional sobriety into other areas. And that's, that's the, you know, the, the, yeah. the philosopher seeker that you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. I think about it the other way though. I think all those crumbs lead to emotional sobriety. See, I think all those people were throwing out ideas, but somehow Bill captured and put them all together in the framework that he called emotional sobriety. Hmm. It's, it's so interesting to me the the synthesis of so many different philosophers psychologists spiritual teachers they all are it's like the all 40 blind men holding an elephant and describing yes. different parts mm -hmm. right but but somehow that that schema right that 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 and you know i think tom we're going to do a whole podcast on emotional sobriety as a philosophy mm -hmm. That I really yeah. think that that makes a lot of sense, right? Because yeah. you define philosophy. What is it? You know, the definition of it that that I just was looking up as we were talking is the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence. That covers well, and it, it also well, it, it it almost does. It doesn't cover the piece. That, that that definition doesn't cover the piece that I think is most important, which is we talk what well, we talk about here most of all, and the and and the the thing I didn't get about philosophy when I was when I was you know young and when I was a kid and thinking I was going to be a philosophy major or that kind of stuff is it's about practice, you know the practice of a, the philosophy the you know I practice we all all four of us I know all myself I know I do I know the, the three of you well enough to know that we could easily define what we do every day is practice our philosophy. You know, we put it, we put it into put play. Into yeah. 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 I know you were, I know you're a fan from, from things you've said, uh, like me of Anthony DeMello, uh, yes. Tom, he's, I mean, the, the, all of it, anything he wrote is amazing, but the word, the book of awareness is like a, a book that I, that I lost count a long time ago. How many times I reread that book. It's like, and you read it. It's so, it's like if it was a food, it would be so rich. You could just take a couple of bites at a time. You know, you could read a paragraph of, of, of awareness from Anthony DeMello and then just just put it down and spend the day, you know, enjoying it. Well, yeah. what's uh, what's DeMello's deal? What's what did he talk about? What, what is this? What, what yeah. is, Tom, Tom, I'll, I'll put that one to you. What's 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 DeMello's deal? <laughs> Great question. He, uh, he's uh, he was a bit of a, a con um, contrarian in terms of. Uh, he was a, a Jesuit priest, if I remember correctly. Yep, from. yep, yep, yep. And um, outside the box, and outside <laughs> the box, and he, and he challenged uh, some of the uh, concepts. And in the book, uh, Tom was talking about uh, awareness is a transcription of some talks mm -hmm. that he gave, and his style is um, challenging. Like he he confronts and 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 asks the people to think about things differently so um instead of more of a uh, an approach of like well here's some ideas you'd be like no you're this is all wrong <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> right. what you're thinking right. here's what here's really uh the idea around um relationships and uh and, and clinging mm -hmm. and things like that that uh you know really transform my mm -hmm. my perspective when i right. read it 
but also entertaining. See, that's the thing about it. Oh, yeah. I love the idea as, of somebody being able to be confrontive and entertaining simultaneously. I think, I, I actually, I think Alan, you have that that uh, talent and skill skill set, and it's it's like it's just you know it just makes the medicine go down a little bit easier. But but it's and it's also when 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 you Demello's a great because never you never feel shamed by him. You know, and I think that's any any one of us is doing a good job. What we're doing, even if we're confronting something that we think somebody needs to look at, hopefully it's not carrying with it shame. People may be projecting shame onto it, but it's, we're not bringing it. You know, one and of the so, things, Tom, which most... oh, Tom, Tom, I just wanted to ask before we moved on, what was it in the recording of Alan's that jumped out at you um, when you were working on some other part of recovery? Wow, that was so long ago. I, it just felt like it's like. Oh, he, 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 he gets it. Right. It was like, the, the, right. what, and, and I think that that's the biggest thing for, for me is um, there's some fundamental truths. And when someone just pulls that string and, and it's like, Oh, right. And so the talk about um, uh, the emotional sobriety about Bill Wilson's letter, there was a phrase which Alan used, which stuck in my head, which was, um, defiantly self-reliant as a description of alcoholics. I love that. Um, yes. So the, you know, so the one thing which um, just to get back to DeMello for one second, which I, I loved is part of the traps that I set for people is, you know, uh, we were talking about earlier, Tom is mm -hmm. um, my, my neediness, right? Like I, mm -hmm. I was looking for someone to fill the, um, the, the lack that I had yep, from my yep. childhood. So th mm -hmm. there was a lot of clinging, a lot of uh, problems with my people picker, right? You know, pick, pick mm -hmm, relationships mm -hmm. that people were unavailable. Mm -hmm. And emotional sobriety has given me the freedom to, to observe that and to, to move on from that behavior. But DeMillo's uh, uh, article on uh, clinging and the, uh, the idea that we're we're all part of a symphony and i'm going to paraphrase it here that um we get together we make beautiful music you know that's me and you and whoever else is in the mm -hmm. room in, the, in this relationship that we have right now but when you're gone i'm not going to miss you you know i'm going to miss some of the music it was great but i'm going to continue to go on and make music with myself as when i and then with whoever else enters my with life others. yes wow. that idea of continuality you know, like I thought when people left that that part, you know, like that was a, a, a tragedy that that, um, you know, part of me couldn't go on because that relationship was was gone. Um, and the idea that there's this um, really it's the long view. And that's why I love Michael Singer's new book, he, he uh, Living Untethered. It, it talks mm -hmm. about um, the big picture, right? the really, really big picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it just helps put things in perspective. It's it's these relationships are going to come and go. And I, I have a choice today to embrace them or to cling. Yeah, Beautiful. the different differentiation comes up yeah. for me because like, yeah. you know, that was how I really went when, when Alan was talking about differentiation in the Thursday groups. Um, I would always apply that to the context of my romantic relationships where I would just kind of become a empty man. Because I everything I, about myself I was identifying with, you know, this other that was kind of maybe that person wouldn't be there, and then who would I be? And that's one area right. I think where emotional right. sobriety has come through for me a bit. Right. 
Yeah, and the and the other the other's approval was was the was basically the goal. I have to, you know, uh, my 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 girlfriend, my wife has to has has to be okay with me, you know, which is a good idea in general, but not all the time. Yeah, we don't always have control over no. what the other person thinks about us. But actually, you, often we you don't. can you can take you can take always and often out of that sentence. We do not that see that's it's hard to say. Notice that you put those qualifiers in there. We don't control what other people think of, about anything. That's 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 talk about talk about the demello like confrontation. No, you don't. Con the only thing you control is you. Period. That's all. That's an absolute. You know? Right there is that's, an that's right. There are not a lot of them, but that one is. It is. It's you control two. I think of it. You control two two things. You control how you interpret the world, and you interpret how you how you how you choose to to respond. It's like you know. And to me, this the first the first one I just mentioned is was was a life changer, and I think it's really become more of a of a, a big. I know it has become a lot more of a, of a of a factor for me since we've been doing the emotional sobriety work because it's that that intrapersonal part where it's like it's sure I have I have the the ability to to respond and I have the choice to respond however I want to, but I also can change with with again philosophically studying philosophy. And, and 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 changing within myself i get to change how i interpret the world and because that and that's what we're talking about when you're not taking something personally you're changing all you're doing is i mean it's, I, I say all you're doing like it's, it's it's a simple but not easy thing definitely but we're changing how we interpret that you know the fact the fact that the new york giants lose the game is not on you tom right okay <laughs> i had a um uh mindfulness meditation course uh teacher <clears throat> she's a, a, a learned a descendant of learned directly from john cabot zinn and she uses mm -hmm. the phrase respond rather than react and like that's mm -hmm. another like thing that just like absolutely like, stuck right in it's like oh wait i can respond i could e even you know pause as Bill talks about you right. know and and there's a difference between because like my you know all I knew was reaction to life, right? right. Well, you know, the the emotions kicked in and it blurred reflex, it out. Reflex, reflex, reflex. Yeah, and I actually I appreciate that because I, I like to, to to substitute the word respond for answer when we're talking about questions sometimes too. Because sometimes there there I mean I'm not saying that we can't, there aren't answers, but a lot of times you know the answer is we we really limit ourselves. We say what's the answer to this question? It's like no, there's probably no for most questions we can ask for ourselves in the process of our recovery and and dealing with with things as as uh, broad and as complex as emotional sobriety is no, there, there are just multiple responses and it's, it's, and it's such a, it's such a, it takes such a weight off of my shoulders. To, I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of a connotation, I guess, in a way, but it's like, I don't have to have the answer. I just need a response. And some of it, sometimes it's more questions, right? Exactly. Boy, sometimes that's the best response. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, I wanted to ask um, the workshops that you do or the uh, the classes, I suppose. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, emotional sobriety and practice and, uh, you know, how you're communicating with the group about some of these things? Yeah, I was uh, honored. Uh, Alan had asked me to do book study on his book for the uh, the subscription study um group that uh, we have uh, and that, that happens before our Thursday night meeting and 
what we've been doing is going through the chapters and going through the 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 12 principles and what i'm trying to do is draw them out a bit more right add my personal uh experiences to each of each of them uh and then also tie in my experiences so just like uh we we uh did the chapter about not taking things personally uh, a few weeks ago how important is uh the four agreements to, to that right and how important is as i mentioned michael singer's approach to looking at the you know the history of the universe since the big bang right like how can i take things personally when it took 13.8 billion years to get to this point and and how that starts to tie back to my philosophy of not taking things personally and and uh an emotional sobriety um single-celled organisms started dividing so that i could microwave some nachos exactly yeah exactly. and do you get you know <laughs> am i going to get upset if the you know if the cheese is not evenly distributed <laughs> across my nachos yes the answer is always <laughs> <laughs> and that that um <laughs> approach of of you know i'm a preparer right so I, I i i love to do the seeking and and the research and start to read some stuff uh and so the idea of once a month putting together there's something for that group gets me going you know reread the chapter i i go out and i look okay what what did bill wilson say about this who what, who are the other authors i read uh that that uh speak to me I, I often talk about walking through my room. You know, I, I've got some books behind me. I've got some books over here and in the other room. Like I kind of walk through, like who's going to call to me? To, you know, as I think about these concepts and and how do they they apply? And this, you know, is, this is more a matter of a personal thing, but but it's it's like it's interesting because I mean, Alan and I've been doing this for for a while, and Patrick and I are learning more about each other lately. It's it's like it's and I go back to your metaphor of us of, of maybe uh, and we've used that metaphor too of us as musicians that can play on our own or play with other people but, but we have we have this band and uh and you know we have you sitting in with us to, uh to, to uh, today but it's it's like so it's, it's amazing I mean I love I love the idea that there's how many different ways there are of being and how how rather than to, the way I learned and the way I did it with myself for so long was to judge them judge them compare them all this other stuff when you say I'm a preparer it's like immediately the guy you know I'm going like I'm the opposite of that it's like I can't I couldn't prepare if I and I do try but I I I, I am not a preparer it's it's like I you know I can prepare I can prepare things but that that becomes a different thing it's like it's never going to apply to the thing I'm actually preparing for and I love the idea I love I, I love the fact that I could be in a place where I can enjoy that that sense of opposite with you the, the you know like oh oh I'm so different from that and and listen to you a little bit more about what's your you just listen to you how you describe that in terms of what what that meant to you and how that process happens because I don't have that experience and it's like and it's not a particular experience I, I seek anymore but it's it's one it's one that I realize is not natural to me and it's just it's, and I'm just finding it interesting instead of finding it a, a, a you know a material to judge myself with what well, and what. I think what where I'm I've developed um, more maturity in this area is um, I'm if you ask me to talk about third step, you know, mm -hmm. I can I don't need to prepare. Right. Mm -hmm. I've 
I'm, I'm coming up on 34 years clean and sober in February, right? I've mm-hmm. done multiple readings and talks on the third set, but mm-hmm. this area is a little different for me. So I, I, I do want to do more preparation. And then I, you know, so like even for this podcast, I wrote some notes down about thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. you know, what would come up. And um, so both in the idea of I've got some maturity here thinking, I just can't wing it. Right. And the mm-hmm. idea that it's not going to be perfect the first time around, because this is my the first time around and not and mm-hmm. not beat myself up over it, you know, yeah. and to go, oh, this is room for growth that I that this, you know, I stumbled through this topic a bit more and I can go mm-hmm. back and, and work on it better. You know, I, you know, I had had a conversation with Alan at one point and, you know, like where I'd like to be in this, um, say, emotional sobriety community. And um, you, Tom and and Alan, like this is your day job, right? You see clients, you, Mm -hmm. you have, you, you read and research and put together, you know, material. Mm -hmm. My, my day job is completely different. So this is, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and, and you've been at it longer. So, you know, where I, you know, where I would in the past, like have despair over this comparison of, you know, why, you know, Mm -hmm. why can't I be like, there already i realize this is a journey this is this is part of the process yeah well i'm impressed with um just how you um hit the ground running and like you just the way my my mind gets around how can i be this thing i aspire to be is you just start being it um and then let the labels fall into place in their own time and um it seems like you've been making a lot of progress on all these things yeah, thanks, Patrick. And I, and I love that idea. It's like, I, where I may want to be might not be where I wind up, but, you know, so let the labels fall in, you know, as, mm-hmm. as it progresses. Yeah, I mean, where I where I have intended to be is very seldom in my my life is very seldom where I've ended up. And it's like, uh, and if you ask me, would you change it? it you know, at this point, I'm going, no, you know, that's how I got here. Hey, can even, I ask even even the hard things? Yeah, uh, I hear a lot in re- in recovery circles that everything happens as it's supposed to, or that you know, um, uh, <laughs> some 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 flavor of that. You know what I mean? Alan, or that, like, Alan you know, I, and I are both making faces. No, no, but yeah, I hear it a too. lot. I hear it a lot. Okay. It's just when you're disturbed about something, it's like, well, no, this is this is the these the schema, the schematic that is all being executed. Uh, perfectly and it's me that is imperfect that goes to dr paul oliver's discussion of acceptance and when his story was in the big book and about it nothing happens in god's world that's a mistake see mm-hmm. that that that's the theme that comes out of that and it's very problematic i mean i think i tackle that very well in my new book about especially when i'm talking about this one client who lost her child to cancer yeah. And when she would go to meetings and people would say that, hey, nothing happens in God's world by mistake, she'd look at them and say, see, you're telling me your God <laughs> wants my daughter to suffer terribly from cancer? Mm-hmm. Well, if that's your God, I want nothing to do with that God. Are you right. kidding me that nothing happens in God's world by mistake? It's it, that. See, that idea may be comforting on certain issues, but it has limitations, man huge limitations well that's and that's personal 
that's not for me to, if this is, it's not my philosophy, but if it was to not to push it on somebody else. Well, but they do, you know that. Oh, I, mean, I know. I mean, oh, yeah. that, that is pushed on people all the time. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of respect for boundaries in, in meetings. I mean, it, people, people think that I know the best way for you to live your life. I mean, look, Bill never intended the program for it to operate that way. It was very clear that your belief mm -hmm. in God is your belief. And we don't have a right to put our belief on anybody else. He was very clear about that in matters of religion and stuff like that. Not it's not it's not to bring Sunday into Monday at all. I mean that's not well, but it also but it also is a great place to 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 actually practice the the sharing of experience, strength, and hope because because the, the alternate of that, which is I mean, I, you know, that's one of those that, that I, I, you know, I, um, you know, we hit a reflex and 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 maybe all of us with that one. It's like, but you know, one of you know, I, one of the ways I've seen that happen is is, and I just am just a pet peeve of mine when people say the question, "What am I supposed to learn from this?" I'm going like, "What the fuck? Supposed to learn according to whom?" It's like it's like they, we live our lives as if we're looking for we're trying to we're trying to guess an answer, and later we're going to get it checked out and with the answers in the back of the book there's no fucking back of the book although i am thinking about writing a book called Le answers in the back of the book no no it would have different things like like number 17 would be 45 and number 18 would be because that's the way it's always been done uh you know we, we would just go on and on but the point is i mean but we a slight this is that's this is one of the things i'd love to do with this work there's just a slight adjustment you can make to this and make it powerful which is what can i learn if yeah. you put the power with your with yourself not not what am i supposed to learn what can I learn? Because all of a sudden, when we ask what am I supposed to learn, we're looking for one fucking thing. Right. It's like, what can I learn? That's that's a magnet question that we can keep. Can continue. We can continue to learn. I mean, we've all done it. Certain situations, aren't there? Circumstances in your life and things that you've learned in your life that you just keep drawing on because of you. You keep going back to ah, this is more of that. You know, and well, you it's know, like, what can I learn? Yeah. yeah well, but, the way I describe that, Tom, now mm -hmm. is because, you know, um, we'll go off on this in a minute. Um, but I describe that as the emerging opportunity for your next developmental step. Yes. That's, that's what these things are. They are, are emergent opportunities, sometimes emergencies, <laughs> but mm -hmm. they're emergent yeah. opportunities. Yeah for our next developmental step. And see, I've moved away so much from a model of pathology and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And see, this is where I think I separate, even from um, I, my, my experience with living untethered was very different than yours, Tom. I was very disappointed in the book. I thought he made a few good points in it, but I think he missed the mark big time in it. And, and I think where he's missing the mark mm -hmm. is see, see a lot of the new age people treat thoughts as random <laughs> that they generate it randomly, right? Through life. Yeah. And that, and that what your job is to observe them and, and then just kind of go away from them. See, I think of them differently. I think our thoughts are not random. Our thoughts are, mm. are a reflection of all our development are in the way we've put together our life at this up to this point. So I give them much more meaning, right? Because to me, then, if I can give them that meaning, 
they can then help me. They almost like they provide a compass. Well, I was going to say they're they're a pointer, right? They're a pointer, man. See, and this is mm-hmm. this is the difference, and that's where I I think that that and it, it's a, an important difference, Be, because this is where psychology is different than some of the new age spirituality mm-hmm. stuff that's going on. Very different. Yep. It has to me, it's much more existentially grounded. You know, meaning it's grounded in our existence. It's grounded in the experience we have and what creates this existence we're having. So that's one of the the points that I diverge from him. But I have really shifted. I don't think of pathology anymore. I don't think of what's wrong with people. I think of what's next for people. That's that's Mm -hmm. my whole orientation now. It's not what's wrong with you. It's what's next for you. And our job is to try to find a way to show up and be able to be present for that next in our life. Well, and that's, I think, not, that's not easy, man. That is not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Well, we, you know, we talk about, you know, you know, when, when there's trouble, it's not really trouble, right? Yes. It, it's yes. an opportunity. And, yes. and I love that. Like, again, like this is, this is the growth. Like when things started bubbling up, I shut down. Yeah. Right. Cause I, 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 didn't want to look at it, you know, I went la 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 la. <laughs> and now it's sort of like, whoa, what's going on there? Now, even right. that idea. So this is another idea I challenge people. I'm not so sure you didn't want to look at it. See, one of the things I have discovered is that if we don't know how to deal with something, then we aren't going to look at it because we are not going to put ourselves in a position of helplessness. You're not going to volunteer for that role. So what happens is, is, is we, it's called in psychology, we call it selective inattention. You won't pay attention to things that you can't do something about. I mean, you're just not going to do it. You know, you're, you're, we're just way we're wired is we're not going to throw ourselves into that fire pit, right? And not have a way to get out of it. As soon, and this is what I've seen. And Tom, I think you've seen this too. As soon as you help someone develop an ability to support themselves better, then they can start to face things that before they couldn't face. Right. And, and it's because now they have, let's call it a, some faith or even confidence that, you know what? If I embrace that upset right now, if I really hold still and feel that pain, something nourishing can come from this experience before it is if i face that all i can do is feel bad i don't know what to do with it i don't know how to turn lead into gold i have no idea on what that alchemy looks like right so what i'm going to do is i'm going to avoid the heck out of that stuff and i'm just going to try and this is this is where we're driven for comfort i'm going to try to stay in my comfort zone i'm going to try i'll deal with what is and that's why i think it's so exciting as soon as people get these new ideas, we see it on Thursday night all the time. Mm-hmm. They start dealing with stuff in ways that they've never dealt with them before mm-hmm. because they right. have a sense of what to do with it. And that's what yeah. Dr. Kempler used to teach me all the time. He says, Alan, he says, sometimes the best diagnosis for a problem is ignorance. People just don't know. They just Mm -hmm. don't know. Nobody's taught them. Nobody's helped them see. Nobody's educated them. 
There's just a lack of information about what is needed. Yeah, wow. I was just going to add that, you know, it, it until some foundation is in place and then some additional, you know, some it's like a buildup, right? Exactly. Then you start to look, you're more honest than you've ever been in your life. Right. You, you know, not that that the stuff that you're honest about has changed. It's what's changed is your ability to be honest with yourself about these things and support yourself without turning against yourself. You know, I, I love I love how Roger started out the discussion of step five, right? Admitting to God to ourselves another you and being the exact nature of our wrong. How is it? Who wants to be honest about these things? Right. Who how could that possibly help our self-esteem? Is what he said. It was beautiful for me to admit all of these these terrible things about myself. How? Can That's, that right. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's 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 counterculture. All the stuff we're doing is counterculture. We're going against. Well, it's, counter, it's counterintuitive until we have a broader frame, and yeah, that's, that's and that's what and that's, that's what that's you know. It's always about you know growth. I always say growth is always from the inside out, so it's always about expansion. It's never about limiting. It's always about more. And you know, you talk about that all the time. You talk about you know more self, more this, and and what what you know. And the reason, and the way that we you and I've talked about you know not not thinking in terms of pathology is, you know, we you and we're not the we're not the we're not the lone rangers in this there are a lot of wonderful people out there helping other human beings that do that it's like you you assume that whatever people do is doing or making is making sense and they may not understand how it makes sense but you you and i have said on this podcast before uh probably multiple times that what we do for a li living is is we help people see that they're not crazy rather than figure out what what brand of crazy they are you know, we, we help, we show people how they make sense. It's like, well, of course you're this way. Of course you have this belief, or of course you have this fear, or of course you avoid the crap out of this thing, because look at what your history is. And once we understand ourselves at that level, uh, we're better at, we're better at, um, we're better at getting our own needs met. One of yesterday's readings, uh, it's, I don't know if it was a Hazelden or the AA talked about, um, you know, we were, we were um we had abnormal thinking right and we we start to sober up and we gain normal thinking i'm paraphrasing it here mm -hmm. but for me what it was is there was this comfort that i thought i was defective in some way and then i came into fellowship and it's like oh all of a sudden my abnormal thinking is not so abnormal because collectively I, you know people are having the same type of thoughts and and then it shifts into a healthy abnormal where we start to talk about things like humility about this like trouble is not always trouble i start to gain some new concepts about how i can approach life through emotional sobriety that you know is abnormal from you know where i started off from but it, it becomes to, to a strength in a way well everything is information that we can use it's like that's that's the piece it's like like because uh, Alan's saying we we you know our unconscious d defense mechanisms when they're working correctly they they, they will take a, if we're if we our experiences that we can't do, can't make use of something we're gonna we're gonna try to block it out. It's like but once we that's part of the bigger frame is is by the way even 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 information that is that involves difficulty distress and pain is useful to us 
And when we know that, that becomes a, that becomes a part of our definition of ourselves as healthy people. So it's, you know, it's like what you know, the little heading I have on my, my um, website is, you know, I found something that, uh, that is more important to me than happiness. And it's, it's, and is a little bit more than this, but ultimately the short version is it's self-respect. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm a big fan of happy. I like having a good time. I like being happy, but it's like what, at the end of the day, the measure, and at the end of our lives, the measure is is our own self-respect, our integrity. And that's what we're shooting for on, a, on that's what we're doing one day at a time. And this is one of the, I mean, this is what I love about the, the I mean, it's, this isn't the only place you find it, but I, and I'm a fan of stoicism, uh, that philosophy. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, you know, and it's just repeated over and over and over again. They, they never miss an opportunity to remind us that we're going to die. And they, and, and they, they, they always do that. And, and, the, and, the, and they point out that basically our job is to be the best version of ourselves. We can be every single day. And that I love the simplicity of that, and it will keep you busy for the rest of your life. Oh, absolutely, and that's why I um, I love Bill Wilson's Twelve and Twelve. The uh, mm -hmm. the theme, or one of the themes that's very uh, persistent through it, is humility. So I can't be the mm -hmm. best person, I uh, a best version of myself until I've got a clear picture of myself. Mm -hmm at any given time mm -hmm. and, and in humility being, you know, an both an accurate self-assessment, but also, Hey, wh where can I go from here? Mm -hmm. And I think that aligns really well with that sto stoic uh, yep. oh, philosophy. Yep. Well, that, and it's what Alan was saying. If you look at, if you look at the, the schools of wisdom and the schools of philosophy and stuff like that, it's like, they're just different words. You know, what it all yes. leads to is, is wisdom and maturity. Well, let's um, have Tom back uh, for our uh, sister episode where we get into emotional sobriety and philosophy. The philosopher Tom. Before Tom. We stop, is there anything you wanted to share with people that are that are just coming into this area and and learning about emotional sobriety? Mm. Any tips Good. you want to give them or thing, experiences you've had that just before we wrap up today? Thank you for putting me on the spot. <laughs> well, I love doing that, by the way. And, and I, that's why I love calling you at halftime yesterday. I, I think that, and, and Tom has said this in, in a variation in, in, in that uh, our negative self-talk, you know, attends the same meetings we do, right? It reads the same self-help books we do. I said, you know, like, don't let the journey for improvement be a tool to diminish your progress. I've had a few times along the way where it's like, I should be better at blank, or I can't believe I fell in that hole once again, coming up on 35 years now. It's been wonderful. Even the struggles have been wonderful. And the idea of just, hey, I just want to keep learning here. What's What can I, what can I pick up from here? And I couldn't do this at five years clean, 10 years clean, you know, 12, like, there's a reason I think, Alan, you described it well about, you know, when the willingness and the ability or, uh, to, to expand and, and experience something happens. And if I'm not able to handle something right now, I won't handle it. But when the when the tools start to fall into place, the teacher arrives, whatever you want to describe it, all of a sudden, you know, that that starts happening for me and to accept that that's when it happens. Tom, what I think you just what my my my, my simplistic summary of what you just said is, is a tip is is so important. Be kind to yourself. 
Absolutely. You know, be kind. Be as be you know be you know be as kind to yourself as you would to 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 a friend of yours. You know, yeah. I call it the reverse golden golden rule. You know, be treat yourself with with the same respect that you would someone else. You know, and and be aware when you don't what's going on. See, see, that's the thing yeah. is that we don't want to set it up that if you're not kind to yourself that you're failing. No, no. It's, it's it's an awareness. And when, see, that's the, the exciting thing about this whole thing is that awareness, getting in touch with what you're doing to yourself is the, is a prerequisite to change it Mm -hmm. until you accept and own what you're doing. There's no possibility of changing that. And so being aware, my God, you know, I'm criticizing myself all over the place. Sit, go with that for a minute. Look at how critical you are. Look at what all those shoulds are. When you do that, then you create a possibility of letting them go. That's the kindness is give yourself room to be aware of it, to process it and, and see and accept what you're doing and see what you're doing to yourself. Because at that moment, then you open up the door with your willingness to start changing. Tend your life. Tinge your myth Cultivate your narrative With whomever you're with Then with glass in hand And children on one knee Bring some stories Bring your stories Back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on me Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me